Hello and welcome back to the pod. We're excited to be back and recording this week and hope that you enjoyed our recaps of old episodes during our break. This week, we're going to be moving into what we're calling our Healing Roadmap series, which will be a two-part episode. Part of our mission on Wellness Digest is to help people find their path toward achieving whatever wellness means for them so that we can all begin living a more fulfilled and aligned life. So we're going to be giving some insight into our own personal healing journeys, what's worked for us what we're currently working on and just a general roadmap for where to begin when you are wanting to heal your body and your mind. So since this week's episode is on the emotional aspect of healing, let's just start with a little check-in. Liv, how are you feeling today? Well, 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 life has been giving me some lessons today. It has been a wild day. Things have not exactly gone my way, but I'm excited to dive into this episode because it is a good reminder um, for me on emotional healing. And hopefully after this, I will take a few of these emotional healing tips and zen myself out for the rest of the night. (laughs) Yeah, I feel the same. I think the past few days have been kind of an emotional roller coaster. Um, I don't know if it was like the full moon messing with us or what, but yeah, things have been just feeling a little off. So I guess this episode comes at a perfect time to kind of remind ourselves some of the things that we do to kind of stay emotionally grounded and where we're at right now in our emotional healing journey. So let's get into it. Yeah. I honestly thought that Virgo season, because I'm a Virgo, was going to be like this large, transformative, amazing, feel great time for me. But one, Virgo season has been hard. And two, I bet it is the full moon. I did not think about that. But the full moon, like we were talking about, I think it was in last episode with Lauren, um, that changes energy so much. It can surface things and suppress things. And Mm -hmm. so I feel like there's a little bit of full moon vibes in there recently. Yeah. And also like, I feel like Virgo season brings just a lot of like restructuring energy. Like Virgo is just like a very like get your shit together type of like Mm -hmm. season. And I feel like at the beginning of Virgo season, it can kind of sometimes feel like very overwhelming or just like a slap in the face of like all this stuff that you've got to get together and like kind of start getting organized. And some of that means like organizing your thoughts, organizing your emotions and I don't know. Sometimes it can just feel a little like hectic, but hopefully as we get further into Virgo season, we'll start feeling a little more. Yes. Aligned, aligned. controlled, organized, all of the amazing Virgo traits. Yes. (laughs) Well, Tatum and I have both been really reflecting lately on our own healing journey and how that has been emotional, spiritual, nutritionally, how it's been very multifaceted for both of us. Um, So healing is a journey and I kind of wish at the beginning that I would have had a roadmap of where to start and what to do Um, or just kind of people who would, I know people have obviously healed before us. Healing is a thing that has gone on for ever and ever, but I felt like, and I don't know if you felt the same Tatum, but I didn't really see anybody who was like, okay, like here are some steps that you should take. Like here is somewhat of an outline, like here's where you should start if you're wanting to heal, or if you have a serious health problem, like here's what you should do. Do you feel like you had anything at the beginning of your health journey? No, not at all. And I don't know if that was just because I wasn't looking in the right places, Mm -hmm. but I think part of it is just that everyone's healing journey is so different. And a lot of times you don't know what it looks like until it happens to you. So it's like definitely like a retrospective kind of thing. Like you, once you feel like you've healed from something, then you're able to look back and say, you know, here are the things that I did to get to this point. And it's not always like a conscious decision either. Like sometimes Mm -hmm. things just like work in your favor and you're taught different lessons and stuff like that. And that's how you kind of heal gradually. But kind of what we're trying to talk about today is more so like tangible steps that you can take to um, begin working on healing in whatever area of your emotional life that you feel needs some work. But as much as like these steps provide structure, like it's still going to be very individualistic and accustomed to like your specific healing journey. So 
Yeah, healing, like Tatum kind of just said, is very bio-individual and everybody's process is going to look different. Um, and another thing to know is you don't have to have a health issue or something wrong or emotional trauma to want or need to heal. Healing is growing and everybody grows multiple times a year, multiple times in their life. So healing is something that comes and goes and you heal kind of in multiple times in your life. So we're just hoping to kind of provide a little outline that you can customize, make bio-individual to you, but just somewhere to start if you are feeling like you have no idea where to start because that is definitely how I felt. So in this episode, we're going to explain things that we wish we would have known at the beginning of our healing journey, um, which is really a roadmap of healing and health and what specific areas that you need to address. Specifically, we are going to dive into what root cause versus band-aid approaches are, the rain barrel effect in the first kind of facet or component of health and healing, which is emotional healing. And then next episode, um, we are going to dive into the other components of what we think are healing and health, which is the nutritional healing and then the root cause healing. Yeah. And one thing to note too, um, Liv and I are like still 100% on this journey. Like we are nowhere near finished with our healing journeys. And so we are coming from the perspective of kind of like where we feel we're at right now, um, what we've learned so far, but, um, this is like by no means like telling people like what they need to do to be healing because we are still learning ourselves definitely. So this is just what's worked for us so far and things that we have found to be helpful. Yeah, I would say I'm absolutely in the thick of it of healing right now, um, <laughs> but I feel like I have healed from things already. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, like I said, healing is something that is going to probably happen on different mm, levels. Multiple um, times. Yeah, multiple times yeah. in your life. So to dive into it, um, there's kind of three components of healing or health that I have outlined that I think kind of fit and map into. So Whether you have an autoimmune disease, a chronic pain, allergies and asthma, depression, anxiety, or you just want to start a healing journey, I genuinely believe there are multiple components to each thing we face. It is never just emotional or just physical or just nutritional. It's a bit of all three of the components we need in every single one of our healing journey. And I'm going to dive into those three components next. And then um, today we will really focus on the emotional one. So the first component, the emotional component, um, we're also going to call it emotional and spiritual because I feel like my emotional healing journey has been very spiritual as well. Yeah. This category really encompasses trauma, how emotionally aware we are, trapped emotions, um, kind of the deeper feelings of how we feel about ourselves. Do we love ourselves? Are we content with life? Are we living through our truest purpose? How do we feel on a day-to-day basis? Are we in tune with our emotions? your emotional energy. And the reason why this one is so important, and I feel like this is one that gets left out in a lot of typical healing journeys is because you are the person, first of all, that you are with 24 seven for the rest of your life. And your emotions um, are such a big aspect of your life. So when you are going through periods where you feel sad, anxious, or you're just really not there emotionally, it has severe and dramatic impacts on your life. So with every physical nutritional aspect, there's always an emotional aspect as well that needs to be addressed. And so that is why we are dedicating pretty much the rest of this episode um, after we go over a few things to emotional and spiritual healing, because that I think Tatum and I can agree has been both of the largest parts of our healing journeys. Yeah. Because really big emotions that you feel put a lot of stress on your body. And we talked about this in another episode, but when your body is in a stressful state, it's focused on literally keeping you alive. You're in fight or flight mode. And so it's not functioning like at its optimal physical level either. So, um, that's kind of why we believe that emotions are kind of like the first place to start in order to get your body back into balance and able to support you on a deeper level because emotions can have just like such a profound impact on your, on your body in general. Yeah. So that is the emotional and spiritual aspect. The second component and aspect is 
nutritional and physical. So this is really influenced by what we put into our body and what we surround ourselves with. This category would encompass what our ailments are, aka what our signs and symptoms are. What are you actually feeling or experiencing physically um, that is making you feel as if you are dealing with health things or you're actually dealing with those really big health things? You've been diagnosed with something um, that we basically can see or categorize as health challenges. This is also how we feel energetically, our biological health, and um, external things that we put into our environment that affect our physical health, like toxins um, and those type of things. So that is really the nutritional and physical aspect. And then the third aspect is the root cause aspect, which is also so, so, so important. Um, this is what kind of along with the emotional aspect, because I know that I just said, I feel like a lot of protocols or healing journeys kind of leave that out, but I think that a lot leave out the root cause aspect. Um, and health and wellness and medical practices also kind of leave it out. Um, and this is what is actually causing the disruption in our bodies biologically. So finding this is really what I believe um, to be the big difference in functional medicine and nutrition and healing and then kind of conventional. You really need to find that root cause in order to help yourself heal. If you don't find the root cause, you will use Band-Aid after Band-Aid after Band-Aid and cover up and suppress symptoms, but not actually heal them. So why not just cut the Band-Aids and find the root cause, um, which is another thing that we are going to dive into in part two. Two examples of this, um, so you can kind of tangibly understand with an example, what is a root cause versus kind of like a band-aid approach? Like what would that look like today? So let's say you go to the doctors or dermatologist because you're having skin issues, you're having a rash, you're having breakouts, whatever it may be. They commonly will give you antibiotics. Antibiotics in the situation of a skin issue like acne or rashes are a band-aid, um, but they normally tell you that this is going to fix the issue for you. But at what cost is this going to fix the issue? Is it going to destroy your gut microbiome? Because we know that antibiotics generally destroy your gut microbiome, kill all the good guys and the bad guys. So they work because they kill the invaders, the bad bugs, but they're also wiping out um, the rest of your digestive and gut system which can lead to a whole other host of problems. And just a little disclaimer um, or idea, we're so not against antibiotics. Like I totally understand that they have done amazing things and have, um, have a time and place in our medical system, very needed, but we hand them out like they are candy. And for things like skin issues, you're probably having them because there is a deeper root cause. So a root cause approach to skin issues would be asking, why am I actually breaking out? Is it that you have parasites? Is it that you maybe have some mold toxicity? Is it even trauma that is trapped in your body and releasing through your skin? Um, and I know that sounds maybe a little bit woo-woo, but emotions, as we will dive into, can actually present themselves in physical kind of like manifestations and symptoms. So this could also be maybe your own perception and shame and guilt about yourself that you need to deal with that is surfacing through your skin to kind of make you deal with emotional trauma and things that are deeper in you. So that is one example of root cause versus band-aid. Another example, so you can really kind of grasp this idea is, let's say you've always had severe neck and back pain. You go to the chiropractor to get adjusted maybe every week um, and the doctor to get pain medication, but your back pain stays very consistent and never goes away. So first of all, love going to the chiropractor. I go about once a month, um, but getting on medication and just consistently going to the chiropractor and having it not actually bring you long-term lasting um, effects where that pain is alleviated is a band-aid versus finding the root cause, which would be understanding. Are you maybe holding emotions in your neck or back? Where is this inflammation coming from? Like, why is your body being so inflamed that you're having pain in those areas? Is your immune system being attacked by something that your body isn't able to properly regulate and heal? So those are two examples of band-aids, antibiotics, medicine, um, constantly going and getting adjusted when your body isn't holding it versus actually asking why, 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 and finding the root cause.
Yes. And that's another thing that we are trying to promote on this podcast is we've talked about resiliency and like building up that tolerance so that your body is able to heal on its own without having to go get an antibiotic, without having to go get pain medication. And while those things are very helpful for relieving symptoms and you should absolutely seek out pain relief at some point, your body should be able to do that healing process for you. And that's what we're all about here is finding the root cause so that you can fix it. And then the next time you have neck or back pain, your body knows how to deal with that pain rather than needing a band-aid approach. So for example, like I go to the chiropractor like once a week because I have terrible back and neck pain. And part of it's just from sitting at a desk all day, but part of it is probably also trapped emotions or maybe some other type of toxicity that I have in my body that I haven't quite found yet. And the reason why I need to go to the chiropractor every single week is because my body's not able to hold the adjustment. Like after I get adjusted a week later, I feel it again. I need to go get adjusted again. That's not like normal. Like I should, my body should be able to go longer than a week without needing an adjustment. So that is part of what the root cause, what addressing the root cause does for you is gives you long lasting relief and gives your body the strength and resiliency to be able to deal with these issues when they present themselves rather than needing a band-aid approach every single time. Yeah, that is a great way to put it because our bodies are so resilient. And I think especially in this day and age, we've kind of forgotten that our bodies can handle a lot and they were literally built and made to fight off infection, to feel good, to heal when we hurt ourselves. Um, But we put so much stress, toxins and other things surrounding them that Mm -hmm. they literally are clogged from healing, which um, finding the root cause is something that kind of opens up the gates for you to be able to get back into that intuitive process of healing. Yeah. And I think it's also like very important to note that when you're healing the right way, it should take a long time. Like Mm -hmm. you're going to have to be patient with it. You're going to have to understand that it's a slow process. I think that we've gotten like so consumed with like the idea that it's, there's something wrong with having an ailment or, um, like I'm wrong for having pain or having Mm -hmm. some type of symptom or whatever it is. And so we look for that quick fix because it's like, it's not okay to have something wrong with you. And instead of like being graceful with our bodies and telling our bodies, like, it's okay. Like we just are so, you know, quick to go find a solution and heal right away. And that quick fix, because we just aren't okay with not being okay, I guess. Yeah. I think being okay with not being okay wait, no, not being okay with not being okay (laughs) is kind of like ties into the emotional component we are going Mm -hmm. to talk about and how you kind of learn throughout your healing journey that one, it takes a long time to heal. Like, think about it. If you have been sick or just kind of building up these toxins, accumulating these health issues, or let's say, okay, I'm 23, almost 24, my whole life I've kind of had health issues. So 24 years, it's like kind of a rule of thumb that people in kind of the functional nutrition space say very roughly that it's going to take at least one month per like one year that you have been Mm -hmm. not feeling good. So for me, almost 24 years old, that's going to take me two full years of like working hard on all of these things and healing to get to my root cause and to hopefully um, kind of regulate my body so it's able to heal on its own. So quick fixes are band-aids. Healing takes a lot of time. And I think that is something that you kind of emotionally come to peace with when you are in the midst of a healing journey. Yes, I agree. Yeah. So gonna go a little bit deeper into the idea of a band-aid approach versus a root cause and holistic healing approach. So band-aids are literally what you would think band-aids slapping something on to try to make it better. These are things like 
fad diets, fixing deep issues with supplements and medicines, um, in some situation, antibiotics, like we talked about, these are surface level treatments that may provide you some instant relief, but are not going to, um, heal that root cause. These are also quick fixes that, like I said, literally slap a bandaid on your wound. Another example is, um, allergies and a quick fix we use for allergies is, um, like people take allergy medicine like crazy. Um, like my whole family takes allergy medicine. I know so many people who take allergy medicine. Mm-hmm. And have we ever stopped to ask ourselves, why is everybody having allergic reactions? Why yeah. are we having histamine reactions? Why are our immune systems so weak that they are unable to help and regulate us? Mm-hmm. Why are our gut microbiomes a problem? And so that is just kind of another kind of example of something we slap a bandaid on because allergy medicine doesn't help your body heal from the situations why you're having allergies. It just suppresses all of the inflammation. So you're not sneezing and coughing. Right. Yeah. And I think too, like another thing is we seem to think that like, oh, like everybody in my family has allergies. So, so do I like seems to be like, oh, it's genetic. So like, it's okay that I have it, which yes, things are genetic, but not everything is going to present itself. You can have, um, you can carry a gene for something or have inherited something from a parent and it's not going to necessarily present itself and show up physically in your body until your body is weak, you know, and, you know, starts to present it. So, you can have all of these genetic inheritances and have a really strong immune system and none of those things will ever present themselves. Yeah. Something Mark Hyman says that if you don't follow him, he's amazing in functional medicine and so knowledgeable. He says that your genes load the gun, but you pull the trigger. So you have so much more control over your health. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's the food you put into your body, your emotions, your environment, the things that we are going to talk about in the healing journey that give you the power to basically choose. I'm not going to take that path. I'm going to be healthy and resilient or Mm -hmm. taking the adverse one, maybe not being as healthy, not dealing with those emotions, not healing. And so, yes, your genes might express themselves and you might have the same health issues that your family or your ancestors have. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that's kind of what a band-aid is. Now root cause, like we already dived into, this is finding the root cause of emotional issues and physical ailments, AKA root causes. Some examples of them are parasites and molds, bacteria and viruses, infection, trauma, which we will dive into in the next episode, super deep, but these are some examples and that's not every single thing that can be a root cause. There's millions of root causes, but these are really common root causes that are cascading issues. Um, And this basically kind of brings us to chatting about the rain barrel effect. So the rain barrel effect, Tatum, maybe you should describe the rain barrel effect and then I'll give my example. Okay. So the rain barrel effect is basically, um, think of like, if you have a rain barrel outside that's collecting rain. So you've got this barrel, it's collecting rainwater, droplet by droplet, and you know, rain droplets, just one droplet itself isn't a whole lot of water. So you don't think to check the rain barrel very often, you know, because it takes a long time for the rain barrel to fill up. Well, droplets in this case represent any type of toxin or something that your body is exposed to that it does not respond well to. So, um, it can be an environmental toxin. It can be a food intolerance. It can be an emotion, a situation that put you in emotional turmoil. It can be literally anything you can think of that your body reacts negatively to is a drop of rain in your rain barrel. And so as that accumulates over time, over years and years of your life, your rain barrel fills up and fills up and fills up until it eventually overflows and it cannot hold any more water. And you have a spilling over rain barrel that your body can no longer handle anymore. 
Yeah. And so when it reaches its threshold, it starts to spill over and the spilling over kind of represents health issues that you were having, um, those Mm -hmm. signs and symptoms. And yes, while your rain barrel is accumulating, you're obviously probably going to have some of those um, health issues, but kind of when it gets to the point where there's just way too much, you're carrying way too much stress, toxic load, um, things that just really aren't going well with your body. That is when kind of the severe health issues, the constant skin issues, the fatigue, the hormonal imbalances, that is kind of when things like really present themselves in symptoms. And they're Mm -hmm. basically saying like, look at me, I need you to pay attention. You're filling me with too many toxins. Yeah. I think that genetics can also be a really good example of the rain barrel effect because, um, some type of gene that you have or genetic disposition could only be a couple of drops in your rain barrel and theoretically might not contribute that much to a health issue. Like in and of itself, it might just constitute a couple of drops, but all of those other added toxins that keep suppressing your immune system and making it weaker and weaker are the ones that add on top of that until your rain barrel overflows. And then it presents itself as something that might be considered a genetic issue. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So I thought that I would give an example of my own rain barrel to kind of bring this full circle and show you what this could look like. So again, you start with your rain barrel when you are zero years old, just born, and your rain barrel can accumulate through all of this. And I guess something that we kind of forgot to mention is just because your rain barrel gets to the point where it's skewing out and you're having all these health issues, Through healing, you can reduce that level of water or droplets in your rain barrel and have just a normal rain barrel that does not overflow um, Mm -hmm. and your body's able to deal with those toxins and heal. So the goal is to get a rain barrel that's just sitting there, not overflowing. Yes, it for sure has some droplets, but you're just chilling. Nothing bad is happening. Right. Because we can't eliminate all toxins from our life. I mean, we're the amount of toxins we're exposed to on a daily basis is probably insane. And like Liv said, our bodies are built to handle some of that and deal with some of that on, on its own. So, um, it's not like we ever have an empty rain barrel. I mean, we're always exposed to things our bodies don't like, but, um, it's all about, yeah, what your body is able to withstand. Yes. Yeah. And getting your body to the point where it can have those situations where maybe you encounter a toxin that maybe in the past would have made you break out in a rash. No, your body is able to handle it and heal and your immune system can kind of tackle it right away and you're good to continue living life. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You want to have a little extra room in your rain barrel for maybe when you get sick or something like that, that you're exposed to. Um, If you have a little extra space in there, then prevents that overflow. Just a good analogy. Exactly. I love that analogy. analogy. (laughs) I know it's a good one. So onto my rain barrel, um, to not go extremely heavy in my health history or bore people with my story, here is my rain barrel and how it accumulated. So growing up, first of all, I was an anxious child. Um, I've been an anxious person my whole life, but I was particularly really anxious when I was younger um, and inherited a subpar microbiome from my mom. Mom, this is not a diss against you because I know you will be (laughs) listening. We talk about this all the time. And she's like, Olivia, I didn't mean to. I'm like, no, it's not your fault. We don't know that gut health is important, but you get your mother's microbiome. So if you were born with a not so great microbiome or you have issues, chances are your mom has those same issues. So anxious child inherited, not a great microbiome situation. And then growing up until I kind of learned about health and nutrition, which was maybe like, I would say like middle of college, um, ate the standard American diet. If you're not familiar with the standard American diet, that is just what the standard American person eats. It is full of those inflammatory oils, gluten, um, glyphosate, sugars, chemicals, um, just your standard processed foods and things that are making our bodies inflamed. So not only was I born with a poor gut microbiome, I also wore it down from food, the standard American diet I was eating, the anxiety I mentioned and emotions, um, the stress because stress depletes our microbiome. These were my initial droplets going 
into my rain barrel and filling it up. So right out of the gates, I was filling my rain barrel up like crazy at a very young age because of emotions, nutritional, physical things. And this kind of manifested in me initially as like skin issues. Like I always had rashes growing up and everybody just kind of thought like, oh, that's just Olivia. She has like crazy skin. And now <laughs> looking back, I'm like, no, that was not just Olivia with crazy skin. That was my emotions and toxins telling me at age, probably like five months, like Olivia's rain barrel is full. Yeah. So continuing on, um, kind of adding on when I was growing up, I used so many chemical makeups and skincare products. It makes me cringe. Mm. If you use Bath and Body Works, and if you still do, (laughs) please, 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 please stop. There are toxins and chemicals that are disrupting your hormones and your body's functions. But I would spray that on like juicy lip gloss. I don't even want my lips every period. Nope. (laughs) I don't even want to think about that. Um, what's the other, uh, lip smackers. Oh my gosh. I was smacking my lips with some lip smackers. (laughs) But like every bath and body product, like not just one of them. Like I had the hand sanitizers. I had the mini lotions. I had Mm -hmm. the big lotions. I had the sprays. I had the body scrub, everything. Yeah. Candles galore. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So my point of kind of diving into the bath and body works was like little things like that are huge toxic loads on yourself. So again, growing up, I had a pretty high toxic load and those things, those chemicals actually cause your immune system to be on constant alert because you're constantly putting chemicals on your body and your immune system is saying, what is happening? Why am I having all these invaders? So your immune system becomes stressed out, which stresses your whole body out. Um, At this point, let's say at a, whatever, I'm in middle school. Um, Again, like I said, my microbiome has never had a fighting chance at this point because (laughs) from a very young age, it wasn't great. And I didn't heal or do anything to help it. I just kind of continued to live the same lifestyle. So somewhere along my journey, I wish I knew when, I have no idea. I come into contact with some sweet little parasites which we will also dive into next episode very deeply because when I tell people that like I've had parasites, they're like, no, like that's not a thing. Like, did you go to a foreign country? That is not always how you come in contact with them. But the point is I came into contact with parasites sometime in my life and my body and immune system were so stressed out and depleted that they couldn't fight them off. Um, Normally, your stomach acid in your stomach kills these type of invaders initially. Like it is very acidic and boom, those drop in, your stomach comes to the rescue and your acid kills all of those things. But when you are stressed, your digestive system is dysfunctioning. It depletes this barrier. You do not have stomach acid. So my parasites just got to grow. They basically (laughs) grow and feed off of diet. So if you're eating kind of the standard American diet, all of those inflammatory things, but they also, something that I've learned about is feed off of emotion. So if you're someone who's anxious, um, even somebody who's like sad, going through depression, going through hard things, parasites kind of like suck the life out of you quite literally. Um, They also can manifest in physical issues. So they gave me skin issues, allergy reactions, and it kind of just spiraled into um, me just finally being like, okay, why do I still have skin issues? I'm eating great because now I know how to eat good food. I've learned my nutrition, um, but my rain barrel, because of all of these things, as well as the parasites were just spewing over this kind of created a lot of inflammation in my body. Um, and not only in my body, but in my brain, I saw this when it got to like, what I would say is the really not so great point, um, really affect my mental health, give me a lot of anxiety, make me feel sad and like not be able to say why I felt sad, like feel very out of control in my mental state. So my body and mind were just extremely inflamed um, and just kind of was like a rolling ball of health issues, things accumulating in my rain barrel, spewing over um, and me kind of finally having enough. So As you can see, each of these things I listed, toxins from food, sadness and anxiety, 
inflammatory oils, chemicals, parasites are all droplets. My bucket was completely full and spewed over the sides and presented itself through health issues. Um, and your rain barrel might not look like this. Your rain barrel also might be smaller than mine. It might be bigger than mine. People's journeys are different, but that is just kind of an example how there is emotional, physical, nutritional kind of manifestations that all add droplets to your bucket that present in health issues. Yeah. And just imagine too, like you were saying some of these health issues started to present themselves at such a young age through rashes and things like that. And how quickly your rain barrel filled up. Mm -hmm. And then how many years after that, you had no idea that you had already reached that point until you started learning about all of these things. So your body was really going through it for quite some time. (laughs) So that's kind of what we mean about like how much time it takes to really undo all of that, because you might not even realize how long this issue has been accumulating for until you see it physically, um, on the outside of your body. So yeah. yeah, definitely. And some people's, um, kind of main health concerns and health issues aren't as like physical and obvious, um, as mine, like mine are skin things. And so I can see them and I can yeah. understand my body is saying something is wrong, but some people's manifest in like a very chronic pain or anxiety or depression or things that aren't actually you can see on the outside and are things that you just more feel on the inside. So now that um, we've kind of explained root causes versus band-aids, the three components of healing um, and health, we are going to dive into for the rest of the episode, emotional and spiritual healing. So there are a few components that we think are kind of important about this. Um, But just before we dive into it, Again, we're putting this first because I think we both wish that we would have known how important emotional healing was and how it really needs to come first. If you have um, trapped emotions, if you have trauma, if you have, um, if you were just not in the right mental space, your body can literally not heal. You can do all the parasite cleanses, all the nutritional changes, but if you are still having emotional burdens, your body cannot heal. And so that is why I think that we kind of agreed on that. We really wish someone would have said before we even got started on the other aspects, like practice healing emotionally, like dive into your emotions. Yeah, for sure. Because I think also you have to be in a emotionally stable state of mind in order to take on the journey of physical healing, because it does take a lot of effort. Um, takes a lot of research and figuring out it's trial and error. You have to be willing to try some things and have them not work for your body. And, um, it's not just like this, straightforward one size fits all approach. And so you kind of have to have that like emotional resiliency to understand that your physical ailments are going to take time to heal as well. Like we said before. So I think that's another part of why emotions are so important to, to heal first, but yeah, just like we've said, you've got to give your body, you got to, your body has to be in a restful state to be able to heal physically. So you kind of have to work on emotions first to get your body into that restful state. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And another thing is that emotions can actually be a root cause. Like I've heard of so many Mm -hmm. situations where somebody will try all of these health nutritional protocols. Um, and then they will do an emotional session or start going to therapy or do kind of an emotional energy session. And that will literally be their root cause. Their root cause was emotional blockage. So they just wasted a bunch of money on all of these supplements and nutritional protocols. When, if they just would have addressed emotions first, they could have found out that that was their root cause. So that is kind of another reason that we are putting this first because emotions have so much power. It is almost like indescribable to put into words how much emotions matter. Yeah. I definitely didn't realize that when I first started. So me either. And I think that another thing is Tatum and I have both realized that a lot of our health issues are a large percentage emotionally based. Mm -hmm. 
So diving into emotional and spiritual healing, um, the first thing that I wanted to talk about was trapped emotions, which is something that I have done a lot of work with, um, with a practitioner or multiple practitioners that I use. So trapped emotions, if you're not familiar, are basically repressed emotions that are lodged in your body, causing mental, emotional, physical health issues. This can be a situation where maybe you feel a big emotion. It can be a positive or it can be a negative emotion, but most of the time it's a, what we would kind of constitute as a negative emotion. Um, let's say you're in a situation where you feel a really big emotion. I'm just going to give the example of a breakup because it's always the easiest one. Let's say you, um, your boyfriend says, sorry, blah, blah, blah. I don't want to be with you anymore. And immediately you get like that fiery feeling in your chest. You feel so mm -hmm. sad. You feel all these emotions. Um, and then let's say your boyfriend, now ex-boyfriend, um, <laughs> doesn't really give you an explanation and just kind of cuts it off. That could, this could be an example where trapped emotion could come in because your emotion probably wasn't validated. You also couldn't express your emotion um, because one, you probably didn't know how to, and two, the other person didn't give you the space to express your emotion. So you learned that your body basically had no choice but to repress that emotion. When we experience events that are too overwhelming, like the situation of a breakup, um, to deal with, these emotions become trapped. Another example that I like to give that is from a book that I read, and this kind of showcases that it doesn't have to be something big like a breakup or a really traumatic um, thing. It can be something little, like from your childhood. The example was about... I think it was like a little boy or a girl who was four years old. Their dad was sitting at their desk working um, and super busy working away, but a little kid really doesn't have the perception to understand that their dad's busy. So the little kid goes into the dad's office where he's sitting at his desk and he, the little kid is basically like, dad, I want to play. I want to play nagging the dad um, so much to play because as a little kid, you want to play with your dad and you don't understand your dad is busy. And so the dad says, no, I can't play. No, I can't play. But the child keeps um persisting and the dad finally kind of loses his cool and yells at the kid and says like no I can't play like I'm not going to play can't you see I'm busy yells at the kid the kid immediately feels embarrassed um sad neglected all of those awful feelings and doesn't want to express those to um his dad because we kind of have this innate wisdom of when something like that happens, we need to suppress it and not say anything because we just got yelled at we feel like we are in the wrong so that little child might grow up with repressed emotions, trapped emotions in regards to just one situation like that. And I'm sure we can all think of a situation where our parents like got very stern with us and we're like, no, you can't go with your friends. You can't go do this. Um, and that is not like a shot to parents. Um, that is just showing that trapped emotions can happen literally anytime you are not able to fully express and feel what you need to feel and communicate that. Yeah. So I think it's probably safe to say that like we all have trapped emotions because every single day you probably encounter a situation where somebody says something or does something that puts you on edge. I feel like I can't think of a day in my life where that hasn't happened at some point. Like it just, it's a part of life and it's important to know that we all experience them. And it's also important to note that you can literally feel when this process is happening in your body if you pay attention to it. So like Liv said in that situation of a breakup, like if you notice that every single time somebody like doesn't give you the validation that you're needing or they, let's just say, for example, um, someone is not responding to you and you just have that like gut feeling about something and you literally feel it in your gut that bad feeling. It's like a heavy churning feeling in your gut. You guys all know what I'm talking about. That is literally, that could be where that emotion is lodging in your body, or maybe you feel it in your chest and you get like really rapid heartbeat in certain situations that make you feel a certain way. Those are times when an emotion is literally manifesting itself inside your physical body. And when we don't get validation for the way that we are feeling about that certain situation, then that emotion becomes trapped. And those trapped emotions can cause so much tension in that area of your body that they literally cause health issues. 
Yeah, definitely. And it can be something as simple as one situation, um, but it can also be an accumulation and absolutely 100% every single person has trapped emotions. Um, but the good news is there are ways to release them and also kind of prevent them by becoming mm -hmm. more emotionally in tune and knowing how to deal with things when you feel those big emotions. So that is kind of the first aspect of trapped emotions. And then kind of um, going off of that, another aspect is trauma. First of all, I understand that trauma can maybe be something that can be a little bit triggering for people. Not a little bit. It can be very triggering for people um, because some people have gone through really, really, really hard traumatic events. And when we're speaking of trauma, we are talking about everything from those really traumatic events to maybe smaller things that have created a trauma response in your body. So I found a definition on Instagram for trauma that I really liked, and I'm going to read it off. Trauma is any autonomic nervous system response that doesn't find completion in the moment. Any survival response that happens in any moment that doesn't get fully digested, which gets stuck in our nervous system and then plays out later in life as a survival pattern. So with trapped emotions and especially trauma, your body, your nervous system is heavily involved. When you experience, like Tatum was saying, those feelings that churn in your stomach or like kind of how I explained, like that fiery feeling in your chest, your nervous system immediately pushes you into fight or flight survive mode because when you feel those emotions, your body can't tell the difference between if you are safe, but you're just feeling a big emotion or if you're getting attacked by a tiger, your body will respond the same exact way. So your nervous system goes crazy, um, which can cause your body to not be able to regulate, you're constantly in that fight or flight state. Like Tatum said, when you are in that state, that is your body's absolutely only concern is making sure that you make it alive. And when you go through trauma, your body kind of gets like, it almost is like you turn the light on of the fight or flight state. And it's really hard to turn that off. And that switch is also easier to trigger. So let's say you go through a really traumatic event you can have that come out and manifest in multiple other situations because your body is so used to being on guard, being in that fight or flight state that things trigger it very quickly. Um, so that is kind of two areas that we think you need to look at if you are doing emotional and spiritual healing, which are trapped emotions and trauma. Yeah. And I want to say too, that Trauma is very relative, like Liv said. So just because like your most traumatic event that you've ever experienced is maybe not, I'm making air quotes, as traumatic as somebody else's, mm -hmm. doesn't mean that it's not extremely traumatic for you. So the most traumatic thing that you've ever experienced is that's all you know to be extremely traumatic. So for your body, that event was very traumatic. It doesn't necessarily matter the extent of someone else's trauma, or there's no, there's no big and little trauma really, yeah. because it's all relative to your personal body and what you've experienced and how your body responds to that. So you should never like discount yourself and say like, Oh, well, that wasn't that bad of an experience or like other people have it worse because if that's all your body has ever been through, then yes, it's absolutely going to be very traumatic for you and your body. So trauma is trauma to your body. No matter the extent, when your body gets put in fight or flight mode, it has one mode, which is fight or flight, mm -hmm. which you feel in traumatic experiences. Yeah. So how do these emotions affect our physical health? So like I said, the emotions affect our nervous system, our organs, and our body functions obviously aren't able to um, do the proper things. Our digestive system can't work. Our hormones are going crazy because our nervous system and our fight or flight state takes over. Something that is heavily practiced in Chinese medicine is how emotions can actually manifest in physical um, health symptoms or really affect your organs. So emotions, because our nervous systems are going crazy, can actually cause inflammation in our body. And like one example of this in Chinese medicine is that um, anger is stored in the liver. So if you are generally somebody who feels like a lot of anger, maybe you feel anger at a certain situation that happened when you were younger, maybe just the world kind of makes you angry. 
Um, it'd be interesting to think about if you maybe have some liver issues or some signs and symptoms that show that you have some liver stagnation because the emotion of anger gets stored in the liver. And there's a bunch of correlations, but just thought I would give that one for an example because that's a very common example. Um, and then one other thing that we wanted to touch on before we talk about our emotional journeys and what you can do to work on this aspect is that Something that I've learned through kind of my own emotional practitioners and healers is that most worries, fears, insecurities, which if we really take the time to think, we all have a lot of worries, fears, and insecurities about life, whether they are big or small, they come down to three things, three basic needs, being lovable, being enough, and being safe. And something that you can do, and I think Tatum has a good example of this, is when you are placed in a situation where you feel super worried, you feel super anxious, you like kind of have that deep sinking fear in your body is to ask yourself, is this coming down to me not feeling like I'm lovable because I know I need to be loved? Is this not coming down or is this coming down to me not feeling like I'm enough because we have to feel like we are enough? Is this coming down to me not feeling like I'm safe in my own body and mind because in order for us to feel good, we need to feel like we are safe. So those three things are really interesting things to start incorporating when you feel big emotions to kind of give yourself some ground on like why you're feeling the way you're feeling. Yeah. And the example that I thought of for this, um, was I was talking to Liv about how like our journey with starting this podcast has like kind of brought up, um, a little bit of those like emotions or worries for me because, I feel like I'm the type of person just in general who like wants to make sure that the information that I'm sharing is like interesting to people, that people think it's valuable. They feel like it's needed. They have a use for it in their life. It's relevant to them, et cetera. And so when starting this podcast, I honestly like had a lot of anxiety about like, are people going to think this is important? Like, are people going to listen? Do they care what we have to say? And even just now, like with running the Instagram and stuff, like I text live all the time. Like, should I post this? I don't know. Like, I don't, I just like second guess myself on the things that like, I know I put a lot of work into something. I know I put a lot of thought into it. I know that it's worthy of posting and that people are going to care about it. And all of those worries about putting information out there and posting something comes down to worrying about not being enough. And I think that that is a result of some maybe traumatic experiences I had as a child where like I had this really great idea and it got shot down because I was young and I didn't know what I was talking about or like somebody else knew better. And I think that I learned in a lot of situations to stop sharing my ideas or at least like question them and wonder how much like knowledge I really did have. And so when this happened and I was talking to Liv about this and I was like getting this anxiety about sharing information and posting, I was talking to her. I decided to journal a little bit about it. And then I was kind of writing down how I was feeling, asking myself questions about why I felt that way. What did this come down to? Like, where's this stemming from? Why do I have so much anxiety about something that is literally so simple? And I was able to kind of work through that process in my brain of like, okay, getting down to the root of like, this is because I have this need to feel like I am enough and to feel like what I care about is enough. And that's kind of how I worked through that on my own to figure that out. Yeah. That's a great example. Yeah. So like I said before, next time you feel a big emotion, a worry, a fear, an insecurity, ask yourself, is this coming down to being lovable, being enough and being safe? And just kind of see how that makes you feel. It's an interesting thing to incorporate, which I have tried. And like Tatum said, she has tried to incorporate a lot more. So a little recap on what Tatum and I have done in regards to emotional healing. Um, like I said, this has been my biggest area of work. I had so much inflammation and honestly hurt in my body from past relationships that were just not great. And just kind of trauma of not feeling good about myself and not realizing my self-worth. Um, and that actually made me physically unwell. Therapy has been a huge thing for me. Um, I've been going for over a year and I think we need to kind of like 
release that stigma that like therapy means there's something wrong with you because it's literally like talking to your best friend once or twice a week. It is such a good experience and really validates that like being heard aspect, which we all need. Um, it offers a different opinion and it's kind of a way to release through words, those emotions that you are feeling. So therapy has been very transformative for me. Other things that have been transformative are releasing trapped emotions through practitioners, which I will post about through the Emotion Code, which is actually a book that you can get and kind of learn about this all on your own. It's super interesting. Um, along with Trapped Emotions, I have released and healed some generational trauma, read a lot of books about healing, which I will also post more about on Instagram, and then doing a lot of healing, spiritual, kind of energetic um work in sessions with practitioners. And then the last thing is doing somatic work. So there's somatic therapy and there's talk therapy. Talk therapy, obviously you are talking things out. Somatic therapy, you're kind of taking the talking aspect out of it, even though you do still talk. And it's more sitting with your emotions and feelings and understanding how they make you feel and where they are manifesting in your body. So it really just incorporates that actual body feeling so you can help regulate your own nervous system. So that is what I have done and what I'm still doing in regards to emotions. Again, we will post a bunch of resources um, on these different things that we have done. But Tatum, what do you feel like your um, emotional journey has encompassed? I will second the Trapped Emotions book, The Emotion Code. Um, that is a wonderful book. And it walks you through what trapped emotions are, how you get them, even how to release them. It has like a whole chapter dedicated to releasing trapped emotion. So you can literally do this kind of stuff on your own. Um, and I just thought it was a great book. Um, it's got a little chart of like different types of like common trapped emotions that people have. It tells you how to find them within your body. It's just really great. Um, definitely would recommend that book. That's something that's helped me a lot, but, um, I wanted to also kind of explain a little bit of like my rain barrel story, because I feel like that has a lot to do with, um, my emotional healing journey, but I feel like Liv and I are both people who experience emotions very deeply in general. Like she was saying, um, I was also a very emotional and anxious child. Um, I often felt very out of control of my emotions. I cried a lot growing up. I was just really unable to put into words how I was feeling. And there was a lot of frustration surrounding that growing up. Like my parents would get super frustrated with me because I would just cry and have like no reason for it. And, um, I feel like as a parent, that's really frustrating because you want to know like why your child is so upset, but they can't express it. And so not only could I not express it, but my parents would get frustrated with me and then I would feel even more invalidated. And it just was this whole cycle of like just a lot of really heavy emotions that I didn't quite know how to process. Um, and I didn't realize this until fairly recently, but I've always stored stress and heavy emotions in my gut. And Looking back on my childhood, I would get frequent stomach aches, pains, and I am absolutely sure now that part of it had to do with the fact that I was dealing with a lot of heavy emotions and just had no clue how to express them. So this is kind of an example of that rain barrel effect because yes, I know that I inherited a poor gut microbiome, but the stress, emotions, poor nutrition growing up was another thing because I had divorced parents with completely different lifestyles, I would eat fast food and the standard American diet at one house. And then at the other house, I would eat really healthy, lots of veggies and lots of water intake. And so I would go back and forth to my parents' houses every other weekend. So I was eating a different diet during the week. Then I would eat something else over the weekend. And it was just like this constant stress on my body. My body did not know how to handle all of this. Um, antibiotics as well. I recently, once I understood the effect of antibiotics, I asked my mom, um, just kind of like how many times I was given antibiotics as a child. And she informed me that within the first year of my life, I had bronchitis twice. So 
two times within year one of my life, I had antibiotics there. And then I also had roseola, um, which is also treated with antibiotics. So in taking three rounds of antibiotics that first year of life, I basically gave my gut microbiome like zero chance to even be healthy in the first place. So, um, all of this to say that this definitely overflowed my rain barrel. One thing that helped me realize this was therapy. So talking with someone who helped me unpack a lot of the things I was experiencing throughout childhood. And through that, I was able to remember how I physically felt in those moments and actually pinpoint where my body stores emotions and stress. So while I was talking to my therapist about certain childhood experiences, she would ask me questions about like how I remember feeling in that moment. And a lot of it came back to those stomach aches, that gut feeling. And so realizing that that's where I stored those really heavy emotions was helpful to kind of validate, okay, this is maybe why I have so many gut issues. So not only was I storing stress in my gut, but I was also putting stress on it by not eating well, just a recipe for disaster. So I am still working on sitting with my emotions, allowing them to flow through me completely instead of being stagnated. Um, journaling has really helped me with that to get it all out on paper, not have it just sit there in my body and get really tense and have nowhere to go. Um, like I said, the emotion code book, releasing those trapped emotions that come up daily walks are very helpful to get my head in a different headspace. Meditation and yoga have also really helped me. Yeah. I think that is also a great example of the band-aid antibiotics, even though, okay, for some of those things, you probably had to have the antibiotics, but also your body didn't really have like a fighting chance to heal itself. And then you add on those emotions kind of in a similar situation to mine, um, showcasing how that rain barrel really overflows, um, and just becomes too much for your body to handle. So, now that we've kind of explained what the emotional aspect is and how trapped emotions and trauma can get kind of stuck in your body, create health issues, what can you actually do tangibly to start working on the emotional and spiritual healing aspect? So there's a few things that we think you can do. The first thing is if you are open to it, I know not everybody is comfortable with it, is talk therapy. Um, like Tatum and I said, we both have had great experiences with it. If you aren't so open to talk therapy, this can also be like a great chance for you to like talk with maybe friends that you're comfortable with or um, journal and kind of have that be your form of talking. Just it gets to be a lot when you have to keep these emotions and thoughts all within your head and just simply having an outlet to get them out, which is what talk therapy is for and really helping you understand kind of why you are the way you are, how growing up things might've impacted it um, can really help you just kind of understand the emotional aspect. So talk therapy, first one. Second one is to address trapped emotions by doing um, emotional and energetic healing. These can be things like muscle testing, MFT, which we'll talk about more, Reiki, somatic work, working with an emotion code practitioner, working with like a spiritual intuition type healer, um, doing those type of things. And like Tatum said, the emotion code is something that you can actually learn how to do to yourself. So if you don't want to go to somebody, you kind of want to keep it an experience with yourself. You can also learn how to do the emotion code, which is something that Tatum and I both do on ourselves. I'm not like heavily an emotion code person at all. Um, I like it better when I have a practitioner, someone doing it, but like Tatum and I sometimes wake up and we both like say, okay, this is a trapped emotion that our bodies were wanting to release today. And we will release occasionally a few trapped emotions. Um, so that is another aspect you can work on. A third one is just really getting more in tune and feeling into your body. When you feel your next big emotion, where do you feel that emotion? What does that feel like? Um, and just kind of sitting with it and understanding it because a really big aspect to emotional healing is just to simply sit with your feelings and understand how they affect your body. Other ways to get more in tune with your body are to journal, like we mentioned, breath work, um, and doing things like meditation to really get your body relaxed and more in tune with yourself. Um, and then the last one, which is so important that I think everybody needs to work on, is 
working through trauma. This can be done in multiple ways by maybe reading about it, talking with family, doing talk therapy, doing some investigation work on um, yourself and why you are the way you are. Um, but I think the idea to everything that we are suggesting that you can do to emotionally heal is that it just, you need to drive a deeper connection with yourself and with your body. So you are able to self-regulate and heal these emotions. And so they aren't kind of weighing and um, coming out in physical manifestations. Yeah. And I think that working through emotions can really give you, they can kind of start to answer the why. So journaling is like something that doesn't always come super intuitively to me, like lives very good at like thinking of her own journal prompts and just like running with it. But for me, sometimes I need a little bit more structure, but one thing that I found that really helps with journaling is to like, start by just obviously writing down what triggered you. So what situation are you journaling about in the first place? And then keep asking yourself why, like, okay, maybe like, why, why was that? What about that situation was triggering? okay, why did that trigger me? Like, why do I get so offended by that? Or just keep asking yourself why, 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 until you get down to kind of like the, almost the root cause of that emotion. Like where did that emotion stem from? Is it maybe some situation from your childhood that keeps coming up? Or is it some situation from a past relationship that keeps coming up? Or just kind of like what, at what point in your life did that emotion become a recurring problem for you where you keep feeling it come up over and over and over again. So, um, working through emotions can really kind of give you that answer to your why. And in finding that answer, you really just give yourself a lot more validation for how you're feeling because you give yourself that reason, like, okay, I, there's a reason why I'm feeling this way. It's not necessarily my fault. And, now that I know what that reason is, I can overcome it and move forward, which is like a very, very empowering feeling. Yeah, that is a beautiful way to put it. And maybe something that we could do is um, give some ideas. I can give some ideas of journal prompts and you can Mm -hmm. kind of write down that process that you take, because honestly, yeah, if you haven't been journaling for a while, journaling can feel like kind of hard you're like okay well what the heck do I write on the piece of paper Um, and so having some guidance around that can also kind of help you become more intuitive with it yeah yeah so um going forward we are going to share lots more resources on the things we talked about today on trapped emotions on trauma on some practitioners and all kinds of things that you can do to start working on this area of healing. And then next week we will dive into the physical and nutritional aspect of healing and get into all of the nitty and gritty of that. So we're excited to do part two of this series next week. So stay tuned.